Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 14. Today, we're going to be talking about the difference between charity and love in the Bible. The difference between charity and love in the Bible. You know, there's a verse in the book of Romans. You don't have to go there. The Apostle Paul says, Let love be without dis- dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, or abhor what is evil, cleave to that which is good. As if the uh, Apostle Paul knew that in our time right now, that people are going to, be, to display a weird, a perverted form of love. Meaning people are not going to know what the real definition of love is. And so a lot of people raise up the banner of love. And I'm not saying that's wrong. The the, the problem is if you don't know what the real definition of love is, then therein lies the problem. So before we go forward, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here today. Lord, we ask you, Father, to set us aside, each and every one of us, including myself, that we would focus on your words. Please take away all pretense, dissimulation. Please take away all uh, um, everything that is bothering us and stopping us and hindering us from focusing into your words. Father, May everything that is said and done bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 14. And above all these things, I wish I could, we have time to read the previous verses for for context, but uh, we're just going to use this as a jumping board. Above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness okay um so how many of you you visited a church or you've gone to a different church and then most of the time when the pastor would talk about the word love he would mention the word the three kinds of greek words where the term love was translated from. Have you heard that before? Agape, phileo, and eros. Agape, meaning a uh, deep, intimate, reverential, selfless love. Phileo, meaning a casual, friendly love or brotherly love where the word Philadelphia comes from. Right? Um... And then Eros, which is the uh, sexual love, of course. So, uh, we've heard that before. As a matter of fact, a lot of Greek teachers would go to this verse in, well, that's, that, this is what I was talking about. Agape, meaning the deep, intimate, reverential, or selfless love. Phileo, love, meaning casual, friendly love, brotherly love. As a matter of fact, the first time I heard the word agape, I was a little boy. As early as then, I thought, guppy. You know the fish, guppy? A guppy love? What? Um, so, 
Every time we hear, as a matter of fact, you've probably heard this teaching coming from John chapter number 21. John chapter number 21, after the Lord Jesus Christ rose up from the dead, and then he saw the apostles fishing, and then they were, they were in the shore eating after they, they brought in the huge catch. And then he, he, asked the, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? You remember this story? Let's read it real close. So when they had dined, verse number 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And so the Greek teachers would then say something like this. Jesus is telling Peter, agape, do you agape me more than these? Do you have a selfless, reverential love towards me more than anything else? And, and then the Greek teachers would say, well, Peter did not understand what he was talking about that, talking about. So he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo, ye, phileo thee. You've heard this before. Matter of fact, I'd be the first one to confess. I've done that kind of teaching before. Right? He said unto him, the second, or he said unto him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Judah, Jude, uh, Jonas, Agape, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. I phileo thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. And then moving forward, because the Greek teachers would then on, continue on to say, Well, because God, Jesus Christ knew that he was not able to... Uh, to, uh, oops, sorry, let me go back here. He said unto him the third time. Because Jesus knew that Peter did not understand what he was saying, he changed from agape the third time to phileo. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of jo Jonas, phileo thou me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I phileo thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Be honest, how many of you have heard that kind of preaching before? Probably all of us, amen? Right? The, there's a problem with that kind of teaching, right? What we're trying to do is this. We're trying to figure out if we have the perfect English Bible, if we can trust the Bible that we have in our hands without going to the Greek. Without needing a priesthood that says, hey, I know, a, I know Greek better than you, then you should trust me. All right? There's a problem with that faulty teaching, faulty reasoning. You can actually test it. You can actually test if agape and phileo mean something else. So, because of that, you ready for this? Pop quiz number three. How many of you have been to a church where you are given quizzes? This is it. This is that church, amen? So I'm going to ask Brother, uh, Brother Cal, have you given the quizzes out already? Well, that's not a pop quiz anymore now, Brother Cal. <laughs> Just thank you, thank you so much for helping me with that, Brother Cal. All right, so pop quiz number three. So the instructions is, all right, and you have to have 100% to pass. <laughs> the instruction is, that word love over there, you have to encircle. Encircle the Greek word that you think 
it is translated from. Agape, again, being the deep, intimate, reverential, selfless love. Phileo, meaning the casual, friendly love or brotherly love. All right? By the way, we're going to do this all together. You don't, don't worry. I'm not going to shame you. This is just for you to, to use as, a, uh, as your own reference later on. Let's start at Titus, right? Titus, number, uh, Titus chapter number 2, verse number 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. What do you think that is? Agape or phileo? Right? How many of you says agape? How many of you says phileo? Right? The answer is actually phileo. <laughs> And I actually have a Greek uh, Scrivener's Textus Receptus New Testament over here if you want to check that out later on, right? So um, I got kind of bum, meaning my wife is supposed to love me only with a self, with a uh, brotherly love. <laughs> All right, let's go to number two. Ephesians chapter number five, verse 28. Now we're, trans- we're transferring from hus- wives to husband. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. Agape or phileo? How many says agape? How many says phileo? I got bummed with this too. Because it is agape. And I thought to myself, wait a second. My wife is supposed to love me just with a phileo love. And I'm supposed to love her with an agape love. But it's not unfair if they're actually just synonymous. <gasps> <Jaw drop. laughs> All right, next. Revelation 3.19. And, and I believe uh, uh, Brother uh, Bill is talking about this in the book of Revelation here. So, uh, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, who's, who's talking there? That's, correct me if I'm wrong, Brother Bill. That's the Lord Jesus Christ talking, right? Agape or phileo? We would think it's agape. It's actually phileo. So you mean to tell me when every Greek teacher says that God's love is always agape, He actually can love us phileo? Well, that should not mean anything if agape and phileo are just synonymous to each other. Example, if I say I have 12 eggs, am I saying something different if I say I have a dozen eggs? No. Why? Because they're synonymous. By the way, I'm not the one who's testing that. You are. Because you're taking the test, right? I'm not the one who's trying to prove it. You are. Because you're taking the test. Next, John chapter number 5, verse 20. Right? For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Agape or phileo? That's God the Father loving the Son. 
You would think it is agape. I got this wrong as well. It is actually phileo. What? You mean to say God can, wa- God can love, a, 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 God the Father can love a casual and friendly and brotherly love? Well, that should not be a problem if they're synonymous. Next, John 16, 27. Don't throw your shoes at me first, okay? I have a point why we're doing this. John 16, 27. For the Father himself loveth you. Who's doing the love? The Father, God the Father. Loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Agape or phileo? You would think that's agape, that's also phileo. Have you not seen the pattern yet? It's all what we don't think it is. <laughs> and then last but not the least, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Agape phileo. You already know it's not what you think. It's phileo. <laughs> so meaning, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. If I have a dictionary or a grammar book in one hand, and I have the Bible on the other hand, which one is correct? The grammar book or the Bible? The Bible. Amen. So sometimes the Greek teachers, just because they want to show, I'm not saying all Greek teachers are bad. I took some Greek too, but I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, having a Greek knowledge or Raising your Greek knowledge up on a pedestal higher than the Bible is like having a black belt in karate. It looks nice, but it will get you hurt. Amen. Right? So, I'll I'll show you another verse where agape and phileo are used interchangeably. Right? In the same verse. Agape and phileo are synonymous. The rules given by the Greek scholars are faulty. Why? Why do we have to listen to the Greek scholars when they go against the Bible? We go with what the Bible says. Amen. Right? Next. Here's the verse where agape and phileo are used interchangeably. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. One's agape and one's phileo. What's the difference? Huh? Next, 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love to the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart. One's agape and one's phileo. So what's the point, Brother Francis? The point is, if somebody says they're 80 years old on one hand, and somebody says they're four score years old on the other hand, they are not saying anything differently because it's just synonymous. Amen. Here's the thing. So you say you're all about, about love? Big whoop! We're not against love here. Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen. So, the problem is, 
The world today has a contort, con, uh, like just a, 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 a perverted definition of the word love that it's just perverse. It's just gross, right? Can I tell you something? Hitler would stand up here and say that he loves as well. Amen. Did you know that the Bible says the love of money is the root of, of all evil? So in short, love, the word love and hate are words that are activated by their subject and their context. It depends on what you're saying that you love. Amen. I'll give you an example. Is love always a good word? It's supposed to be a neutral word unless you're using it to define God. Right? I'll give you an example. John chapter number 3 verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light is come in, into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deed were evil. deeds were evil. So if you hear people saying we're all about love or love lives here, the next most logical question is what love are you talking about or what do you love? Amen. Right? Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 16, verse 22. Remember, we talked about the difference between anger and wrath in the Bible? Yeah? <laughs> Remember that? And people, people think that if you say you hate, all of a sudden, automatically, you're a bad person. Well, let me show you this. In Deuteronomy chapter number 16, verse 22, the Bible says, Neither shalt, thee, neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God what? hateth. So, it's not just because you say you love or you say you hate. Automat it does not automatically make, good, make you a good or a bad person. The question is, what is the object of that love? Or what is the hate, uh, the object of that hate? Right? Are you still with me? Should I continue? How many of you got 100% in that test, by the way? <laughs> I did not. 100% wrong. <laughs> yeah. That test was not originally from me. That's a, a, a test that I, I uh, borrowed from a preacher by the name of Brother Gip. Right? So, well, Brother Francis, I thought we were talking about charity. It's charity versus love in the Bible, right? Well, that was just all uh, like a jumping board, if you will. Introduction. I thought we were talking about charity. We are, Miss Maria. <laughs> what does the word charity mean? Well, um, can you, before I go forward, can you see how, how smart, how subtle the devil is? The word, the world, this world, and Satan has reduced the word charity to just giving to the poor. That's what we think about when we hear the word charity, right? Giving to the poor. That word has been reduced to just, be, to just giving to the poor. And the, word, the world, this world, and Satan has lifted up the word love because today's, you know, to, to, to today's definition, which is just the, the ooey-gooey feeling inside. No discussion whatsoever of the object of what, is, what, is, what it is they love, right? 
So what about charity? What is the definition of the word charity? If I were to go to the Bible and look at the definition of the word charity, what do I find? Good question. Amen. <laughs> it's found in Romans chapter 14, verse 15. The, first, the rule of first mention, the law of first mention, this is the first time it was used. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest not thou charitably. Destroy him not with thy meat, for whom Christ died. So the word charity is associated with not destroying your brother or with not grieving your brother. But not only that, the context, if we go forward to verse 19, says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may altogether edify another. So the term charity means when you have charity, it is the kind of love that edify. You with me? I'll, give you, I'll put a chart up there. Boop. Oh, sorry. There's, here's, another, here's the third, def, or third verse that where we get the definition. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1 Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puff it up, but charity, what? Edify it. Right? Boop. There's your chart. <laughs> charity versus love. What is the difference between love? I'll give you a statement. Hopefully, you can, uh, ho- hopefully just, you can just bear with me for a little bit, right? All charity is love. But not all love is charity. Do you get that? I'll give you an example. All Coeur d'Alene is Idaho. But not all Idaho is Coeur d'Alene. Simple enough? Right? Love is the affection that can be aimed at any object. You can love sin. You can love good things. You can love your wife. You can also love somebody that's not your wife or husband. See, it depends on the object and that defines what love is. Charity, on the other hand, is love aimed specifically to the edification of others. Does that make sense? So I, I, told you all, I told you this already, all charity is love, but not all love is charity. That's why my chart over here is, all the blue, all, the whole chart is love. The green is also love, but just for edification. You still with me? You don't, you know, I mean, I hope churches are preaching this, are teaching the definition and not just raising up love blindly, amen? But what, Brother Francis, what is the definition of the word edify then? Right? I'm glad you asked. When I go to Webster's 1828 dictionary, the, the dictionary says, uh, the word edify means, number one, to build in literal sense. But it's not used as that anymore today. Meaning, if I'm going to edify a church, I'm going to build a church, literally, right? This is number two. The definition number two is where I want to go to. To instruct and improve the mind in knowledge, generally and particularly in moral and religious knowledge, in faith and holiness. Number three, to teach or persuade. That's what the word edify means. If I go to uh, the, the law of first mention in, in the Bible... 
the first time the word edify was used is actually in the book of Acts. It says here, in Acts, uh, the book of Acts, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Watch what I underline here. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So sometimes, sometimes we still hear the term edified today, right? But right now the term edify is just used as general as to encourage. But biblically speaking, it's building somebody up in the Lord. Amen. It's building somebody up, especially if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's building somebody up so they can know the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. Now, any questions about the difference between love and charity? Pretty simple. Amen. All right. I'm going to go forward, amen, uh, just because people might beat us to, to um, the Golden Corral. <laughs> Wait a second. There's no more Golden Corral around here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's look at charity in action. If you guys would want to turn to, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, which is the chapter of charity, amen, in a lot of English Bibles, they've actually tur- turned it to love. Matter of fact, this chapter is used commonly when? Can you tell me when? Weddings, right? Because it's talking about to them, they change it to love. But there's a deeper meaning when it says charity. So I want you to, I want this, I want to, you to look at a couple of things. Number one, in verse one, and you can write it down in, this, in the margin of your Bible if you want to. Charity versus love of greatness. Charity versus love of greatness. Look at verse number one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. When I was in college, when it was time to wake up, guess what our doormaster would do? Grab one of those pots and go... So loud. You know what the Bible says? No matter how great you are, but you don't have charity, you're not edifying or building them up in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Number two, found in verse number two, and you can write it down, charity versus the love of wisdom. Charity versus the love of wisdom. And though, verse number two, I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, no matter how smart you are, no matter how great you are. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. We might be, we might have, it's not true, amen. I'm just saying, if you might be the best preacher, if we, might, if we might have the best church, if we might have the biggest church, if we might have the biggest ministries, but we have no charity. The Bible said it, not Brother Francis. I am nothing. Next, number three is found in verse number three. 
and you can write it down. Charity versus love of a good cause. Look at this. Remember I said earlier, this world and Satan has reduced the term charity to just giving to the poor. Watch this. Look at this. And though I bestow all my goods to, to feed the poor. That's what the world think is charity, right? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. In other words, if I'm doing charity, without charity, I am nothing. He even goes beyond that. Hey, I've given all my, my earthly goods. Matter of fact, I'm also going to give my life. So I'm, I'm going to burn myself but you have no charity, you're not building them up, then we are nothing, the Bible says. Let's look at the next chapter, or the next, uh, the next few verses over here. We're almost done. We still have about three more hours, amen? <laughs> um, the, next, uh, the next section here is called Charity in Action. Right? Watch this. The next verse, number four. Charity suffereth long. And is kind. Selfish love will not suffer long. I'm not talking about the kind of love that God is, okay? I'm talking about selfish love. Just any other generic kind of love does not suffer long. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It is not fake. Amen. It is not like a peacock that just with all the feathers so people can see. So people can see the virtue that you are signaling. Hey, I'm all about love. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, you don't have to go there. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Amen. Next, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 5. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. By the way, in Romans chapter number 1, it says that if a man loves another man, or a woman loves another woman in the love that's supposed to be a, between a husband and a wife, the Bible says that is unseemly. Check it out, Romans chapter number 1. And the Bible says, Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. So you know how, you know how a lot of young, especially, I've, I've heard this with a lot of young people. Well, if you love me, you just let me be who I want to be. That's seeking your own. See? Next. Are you still there? Well, it's getting quiet, is it? I'm, is this useful, having a real Bible definition of the word love and charity? Having a proper aim of our love. When we love somebody, we build them up in the Lord. Amen. And sometimes they're not going to want to hear it. And sometimes we don't want to hear it. But it's what we need. It's just like medicine. It tastes nasty, but it's what we need. Amen. Next. 
Verse number six, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Well, I love that person, so I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants to do. Let, just, just let him be happy. The Bible says, charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. If you really love somebody, if we really love somebody, we're going to tell them the truth and build them up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then that love is what you call charity. Amen. Next, bear at all things, believe at all things, hope at all things, endureth all things. Amen. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 11 to 14, you don't have to go there. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. No matter what is pushed your way, by Satan, the world, or your flesh. Because your charity, because your love is aimed at the edification of other people and yourself. It's the proper kind of biblical love that it's talking about. Then you will just bear all things. Amen. And you will endure all things. Now, we still have 11 minutes, believe it or not. Woo, I'm doing good on time. This is the first time ever. <laughs> Now watch this. Just what, what's the dispensational value of that? Why all of a sudden in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 did, uh, did the Apostle Paul talk about charity? As a matter of fact, this verse always, uh, this not all, but it's kind of lingered in the back of my mind. I always w- wondered, why did the Apostle Paul say this? And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. It's kind of easy to understand why he said faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these three is charity. Why did he say and now? Well, I'm glad you ask again, Miss Marie. <laughs> if you go back to the previous chapter to look at the, uh, at the context, it's, talking, it's actually talking about spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, if you go back one, right? Chapter number one. Now concerning, verse one, spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Remember what we said a couple of Sundays back? The biggest denomination in Christianity is the denomination of ignorant brethren. (laughs) I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So the Gentiles got saved, and they're looking at the little flock who are, uh, who are Jews, and they're seeing, whoa, they have the sign gifts. They can speak in tongues. Whoa, they can heal. Whoa, they have all these spiritual gifts. And the, God, and, and the Gentiles are saying, whoa, I want that too. And the Apostle Paul says, that's the same attitude you had when you saw those dumb idols. You were like, whoa, look at that idols. Whoa, look at how strong that is. Whoa, look at the patron saint of such and such. I want that too. And so the Apostle Paul says, don't be ignorant, ignorant brethren. (laughs) 
And he says towards the, towards the bottom of chapter number 12, Now ye are the body of Christ. You're not the, the little flock. Ye are the body of Christ. And members in particular. And God had set some in the church. First apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after the miracles, then gifts of healing, helps governance, diversities of tongues. Watch this. Bear with me for a second. I'm almost done here. I'll just, I'll just finish this. Then one more story. Then I'm done. Are all apostles, the apostle Paul is talking to the church, the body of Christ, which we're a part of, right? Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing? The answer, of course, is no, right? Not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers. Do all speak with tongues? Not, of course not. We don't have that anymore right now. Do all interpret? Of course not. The Apostle Paul says, but all sort of, you guys, in the Corinthian church, which is known to be a carnal church, but you all covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So the Apostle Paul says, you want to speak in tongues? You want to heal? You want to, you want to uh, do miracles? The Apostle Paul says, you covet that, but I show you something better. And then you jump to verse number, chapter 13, where he says, you know what's better? Charity. By the way, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is uh, uh, an Acts epistle. Meaning the mystery was not, lit, uh, was not fully given to the Apostle Paul yet. So, if I jump to the next chapter, verse number 8 then we would have read, after reading this, then we would have read the whole chapter. Amen. That's more than quota for some of, some of our Bible reading. Amen. <laughs> How many of you are doing good with your Bible reading campaign? Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. The Apostle Paul was writing this, all right? Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Watch it. Apostle Paul says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The Apostle Paul says, right now, we don't have the full Bible yet. Right now, we don't have the complete canon of the Bible yet. That's why some people still prophesy. The, the, uh, the little flock is still in existence. It's just diminishing. That's why some people still prophesy and talk in tongues and speak in tongues. And, but all of this will go away once when that which is perfect is come. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. Sometimes, I'm, I, I'm going to use my, my, my son as an example. When he sees something shiny, he's like, mine, mine. And we're all like that, amen. I'm not, you know, dissing him or anything. But sometimes, as Christians, we do the same thing. We read in the Bible that which is not supposed to be for us, and we're like, mine, that's for me. Build an ark. That's for me. <laughs> That's not for you. Amen. Rightly divide the word of God. 
When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, while they did not have the Bible yet, while they, they did not have the full revelation of the mystery yet, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Now, now, the Apostle Paul says, now nobody speaks in tongues anymore. Now nobody heals anymore. Now nobody prophesies extra-biblically anymore. But you know what abides what we still have right now? Faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. One story that I'm done. This is why. Once I learned this, this and also the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Those are the two main things that made me change my modus operandi, if you will. I used to charge. I used to, uh, I used to want to be the biggest church. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're wrong, you're evil, you're wicked, you're going to hell. If you, uh, you have or belong to a, wicked, to, to, a, uh, to a large church, I'm just saying, uh, what's our motive, motivation, if you will? I used to want to be the biggest church, the richest church, to make the biggest activities, to have the biggest activities, to have the most crowds. But then when I figured out that, hey, when I love people, I'm supposed to be bringing them up or building them up on, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And not everyone likes that. And when you try to do that, a lot of people go away. Which is, it, it happens. We're not supposed to be surprised with that. Amen. I started a school, we, not I, but by the grace of God, myself and a, a few other people started a few schools in the Philippines. My goal was always to be the best. We wrote the programs. I wrote the math curriculum. We, went to, we, we made sure that we went to Singapore math and stuff like that just to make sure that we have the best math program. We have the best English program. We have the best everything program in the Philippines. So much so... Our choir, we have a singing group in the Philippines. We, uh, we, bear with me, all right? I, this is going to sound like brag. I guess I am bragging a little bit. But I'm bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our singing group won second place in all of the Philippines during that time. My goal was to make sure that this school was the best, or one of the best in the Philippines. And I said, we're, you know, if he's in first grade, Teach him things that are for second grade and above. That some of our students, some of our students, when they transferred to a different school, they jumped two grades. That was our goal. Our, my goal was excellency. See, see, my goal was just building up the physical or the mental. But one day, and then I'm done. One day... A, uh, a grandmother of one of our students came to me and said, Brother Francis, I need to tell you something. This little boy here lives in the house of her daughter. Her daughter. Right? She's the grandmother. The grandchild was, my, was our student. Her daughter 
lives in a house with a child that was a distribution center of drugs. How do you process that? The child is so smart, he was doing excellent, really excellent in our program. But then every time he went home, he went home into a, a, into a house, a home with her mom, with his mom, and a, a whole bunch of other people, the mom's friends and colleagues, just, just measuring in grams and stuff like that of drugs. How do you process that? Another thing is, another grandma called me saying, Brother Francis, and some of my students who are watching right now know, can un- will know what I'm talking about. Brother Francis, my granddaughter is being sold by her mother for prostitution. How do you process that? And here I am, only wanting them to be the best academically. Only wanting them to be the best Physically, only wanting them to be the best so they can, when they grow up, they can have a wonderful life. But what is the use of all that if, if after their wonderful, successful life, they die and go to hell? You say you love? Praise God. What do you love? You say you love? Praise God. I'm thankful for that. I'm not, please don't think that this is a letdown on the term love. I'm just saying, or the Bible is just saying, when you love, don't let it be with dissimulation. Don't let it be fake. When you love, build somebody up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for your love for us. That's the real love. He built us up in the Lord Jesus Christ. He even sent Him to die, to be buried, and to rise again the third day. So we can trust in His finished work of salvation, and so we can be saved. Thank you, Lord, for Your words that we can understand what true biblical love is, dear God. And we ask, Father, that from here on out, we would make a commitment that, Lord, help us to have a love that is not fake. Help us to have a love that helps people and builds them up in the Lord Jesus Christ. So by building them up in the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean that we can uh, witness to them and share the gospel to them. Or if they're saved already, that we can, we can uh, encourage them to be built up in the Lord. Father, if there's anyone here who's not saved or listening uh, online, we pray, Father, that you would help them trust in you, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.